It's lovely to have you all with us. If any of you are finding yourselves too far away or something, there's loads of seats at the front and not so many at the back, so feel very free to move forwards. We are commencing a little mini-series looking at Psalms of the Resurrection this Easter. Okay, Psalms of the Resurrection. And so today's psalm is Psalm number 21. So it'd be really good if you could open your Bibles again to Psalm 21. That was on page 544. Psalm 21, page 544. The other thing that will probably be helpful is your bulletin. In the very middle of your bulletin, there's an outline of what's going to be covered in the sermon this morning. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray now that you would move in our hearts and through our minds, that you would prepare us to consider your word rightly together, that you would use this word to stir us up and to change us, to teach us to respond rightly to you and Christ our King. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The headline said, House of Horrors, National Nightmare, Trump seized the divided states of America. So ran the fearful headlines of New York's daily news on the day that Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. Now, I don't know whether they're right about Trump, but one thing they are right about is that a good leader makes a nation, but a bad leader breaks the nation. In fact, the Bible shows us the very same thing, particularly in the Old Testament, where we see the fate of the people of God bound up very closely with the fate of their king. When they have a king who honors the Lord, who trusts him, who obeys him, the nation sees peace from its enemies and God richly blesses both king and people. Yet when the king dishonors the Lord or when the king starts to trust in his own strength or, or turns to the false power of false gods, time and time again we see God giving his nation into the hands of their enemies. And so do you see if you are an Old Testament Jew and you realize that the king you have is a good, God-fearing king, then you have great reason to rejoice. And in today's passage, this Psalm 21, we hear of just such a good king. The Hebrew title says it is to the choir master, a psalm of David. That is to say it is a psalm of the second king over God's people. The first king, King Saul, had not trusted in God, and it had been a disaster for them all. But this King David, he's different. He is a king after God's own heart. He's a king who trusts in the strength of the Lord, even going out against Goliath. And so in general, his reign is going to see his enemies conquered at a time of peace and prosperity throughout the land. And that's how our psalm starts as unnamed voices from among the people start to sing the praises of the Lord because of this good king who trusts in him. 
Psalm 21 and verse 1. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices. In your salvation, how greatly he exalts. It's a perfect king, isn't it? He isn't celebrating the fact he's got a strong army or, or wicked weapons. He is rejoicing in the fact that he has got a strong Lord, that his Lord is mighty to save. And so he exalts. He praises the Lord's salvation. If you're following the outline, there's some blanks, and these are them. The king rejoices in the Lord's strength. The king exalts in the Lord's salvation. Little wonder in this psalm we meet the people singing the praises of this God and King. And as they continue their song of praise, they're going to be praising the Lord for two really important things about this King. First, and this is point one on your outline, they will praise the Lord because he hasn't treated this King like Saul, who was dishonored for his faithlessness. The Lord, in fact, has exalted their King for his faithful trust in the Lord and crowned him with glory and honor. So they praise God for that. And secondly, point two, they praise God because they know with such a high exalted king, they have certainty and safety and victory from all their enemies. So their first point, the Lord exalts his king. How does the Lord exalt his king? First, we read that God hears this king's requests. When King Saul had requested things of the Lord, the Lord refused to hear him. But now the Lord is glad to hear the prayers of this good king. Verse 2, you have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. And secondly, unlike King Saul, who had lost his crown as the kingdom had been taken from him, this king was crowned by God himself and given rich blessings as God's king. Verse 3, he says, for you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. And more than this, the Lord has given his king life, eternal life, days that go on forever and ever. Verse 4, he says, he asked life of you and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. And now David indeed did reign for some 40 years, a very long time. But yet he did die. And th this is a hint, I think, that perhaps the psalm is talking about something a little bit more than David. But we'll come back to that. The next thing that the psalm says of the king is that the, that the Lord has given him very great glory. Because the Lord has exalted him, he is a glorious king. He is, figuratively speaking, given robes which are splendid and majestic. Verse 5, he says... His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. And more than that, this king knows that the Lord will always be with him. If you remember, the Lord had taken his Holy Spirit away from Saul and cut Saul off from his presence. But this king is assured that the Lord will be with him forever. As verse 6 says, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. This is all wonderful, isn't it? Why? Why has the Lord exalted this king so highly? 
It is simply, as the psalm reminds us, verse 7, because this king trusts in the Lord. Verse 7, for the king trusts in the Lord. The king trusts in the Lord, and therefore the Lord pours out upon him steadfast love, making it sure that neither kingdom nor throne will ever fail or fall. Verse 7 again. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. If you're following your outline, those are the next blanks. The king trusts in the Lord, he shall not be moved. No wonder that the people are praising God for a king like this. And the second reason they're praising him is not just that he is high exalted, but also he gives them security and certainty. With a good king like this, who trusts in the Lord, do you think their enemies will overpower them? They certainly will not. God will make sure of it. In fact, with a king like this, who rejoices in the Lord's strength, they can be sure that their enemies will be destroyed. As verse 8 says to the king, your right hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. On the outline, the king will destroy all his enemies. And why can they be sure that this king will destroy the enemies? They can be sure that this king will be victorious because they know that the Lord God fights for him. They know that it is the Lord who will destroy the enemies of the king. Verse 9 continues, The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will consume them. And let me tell you this. If it is Almighty God who is fighting your enemies, then you can be absolutely certain that they will not just be defeated. They will not just be conquered and subjugated. They will be utterly, entirely destroyed, never to rise again. You can be sure of it. As verse 10 says, you will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man, no matter no matter what plots they make, no matter what evil they plan, God will frustrate it. And on the day of battle, it will be them and not God's king and his people that have to flee destruction. Verse 11, though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed for you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. On your outline, his enemies will be destroyed entirely forever. Their plots will fail, and they will be conquered. This too, you see, is a wonderful reason for them to be singing praise of the Lord God who has granted them such a king. Because you see, they know that the Lord's strength, far from being against them in judgment, is for them against all their enemies. And so they praise God for this. Verse 11, the last verse of our psalm, he says, Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. What a blessing it is to have a king like that. What a cause for praise and rejoicing. But I guess the question we must ask ourselves is this. Is this King David actually such a king as the psalm describes? And if you know your Old Testament, you might recall 
that actually David didn't always trust in the strength of the Lord, did he? You might remember in 1 Chronicles how Satan tempted David to take a census of the whole of Israel. That is, to assess the strength of his own military might instead of trusting in the Lord. He was very strongly punished for it. Nor indeed is this King David one who would always exalt the Lord. So his terrible sins of adultery and murder concerning Bathsheba show. It is very true that King David did seem to start off like this perfect king, the one under whom perhaps God's people would dwell securely forever. Perhaps early on is when this psalm was written, but he did prove himself to be less than perfect. This explains why even under King David's good rule, there were times when the people did suffer at the hands of their enemies. And why then, in due course, David's days came to an end, and he died. He did not have days without end. He would not ultimately live up to the description of the perfect king that the psalm gives. And in fact, no one who would sit on his throne after him would do so either, not until God would send a perfect king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this psalm again. Who is the king who always truly trusts in the Lord God, who speaks only the Lord's words, who does only the Lord's works? Who is the king who will willingly exalt the Lord even though it means him treading the path of suffering and pain and death? And who is the king who was then really given length of days forever and ever? There is only one king that this psalm describes, our King Jesus Christ, who suffered once for sins and then rose again that first Easter, victor over the grave, never to die again. The same who, as the psalm shows, having ascended on high, received rich blessings from the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, consider it, that although once we saw him crowned but with thorns and wearing a borrowed robe. He is not so now, but he stands triumphant. He is now, as the psalm shows, crowned with, a, with fine gold, with glory and honor, having all authority in heaven and on earth. He is, he is resplendent, he is glorious, he is clothed now, Christ our King, with robes of majesty and might. His glory is great, as the psalm says, through the Lord's salvation. Little wonder the scriptures say, worthy is he the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Or as Thomas Kelly's beautiful hymn puts it, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. A royal diadem adorns this mighty victor's brow. The highest place that heaven affords is his. It's his by right. The King of kings and Lord of lords and heaven's eternal light. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to see this today. I want you to see that our loving God has given to us in Christ our King, a King who is so good and godly and high exalted as this psalm promises. 
and one better still. And if, God, if King David's people were stirred up to sing praises to God and exalt his salvation, how much more should we be stirred up to praise our Lord in whom we have a far greater king, not only than Saul, not only than David, but Christ himself and a salvation far more gracious. Let me tell you, we should praise him not only because he is so high exalted, but also because like the king of this psalm, he is also the one who gives us certainty and security and peace forever. This Christ is our king. We will stand firm against every enemy. Christ is our king. His kingdom will stand forever. Christ is our king. Let us rejoice in his salvation. And do you know his hand already has found out his enemies? And through his suffering and dying for sins and rising again, he has already defeated them. For as he died on that cross, our wonderful king took the wrath that we ourselves deserve for sin and so destroyed the power of the devil forever. And not only that, as this psalm pictures, a day will come when this king will come back and through him the Lord will not just defeat our enemies, he will not just conquer our enemies, but he will utterly destroy them forever, never to rise again. That's what we glimpsed in our reading from Revelation where we saw our King Jesus coming again, wearing his golden crown, treading down his enemies in the winepress of the wrath of God. And if we read on in Revelation, we would see him coming again, now exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords, coming with all the armies of heaven, striking his enemies down with the sword of his mouth and casting them alive into the lake of fire forever. For as the psalm says, although they plant mischief against him, although they put the king upon the cross, God frustrated their plans as he raised him up again on the third day and he has put them to flight and now he reigns forever and ever. And you see that that means that just for the people in this psalm, we have a king that means our fears can suddenly melt away. Let me ask you, if you are scared of what might happen to you on the last day, do you sometimes imagine perhaps your enemy, the devil, will, will rise up and accuse you of sin and seek, you, seek to drag you down with him? Well, fear no more, for as our thanksgiving hymn will put it, Jesus lives, and thy terrors now can no more, O death, appall us. Jesus lives. Our hearts know well that naught from us his love shall sever. Life, nor death, nor power of hell tear us from his keeping ever. Alleluia. And then, as our fears melt clean away, our tongues can start to leap up with songs of joy and praise. This is why Christianity above every faith is renowned for joyful song. It is because we want to praise the God who in Christ our King gives us every reason to exalt his power. 
and rejoice in his salvation. From the earliest times, we have delighted in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. And that is why we still do so even this very day. So let me encourage you, as part of your response to our wonderful king in this psalm, to be doing just that. To be sure you too are lifting up your voices in hymns of joyful alleluias to praise the power of this great God. Let us sing with confidence and joy. We have so much to sing about. And don't let your worries about singing the wrong note or sounding like a frog, maybe like me, don't let that put you off. Because this is not about your perfect pitch, but about your perfect praise. There is no reason, my dear brothers and sisters, for any of God's people not to raise their voices in the singing of the praise of such a great God. As our psalm says, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. And finally, dear brothers and sisters, let us be sure that our praising of this great God does not stop with our singing but extends to all our lives as we live joyfully and faithfully under Christ, our Savior and our King, doing all to the glory of God, our loving Father, and the King who loved us and gave his life for us. Alleluia. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have such great, unfathomable, incomprehensible and amazing love towards us sinners, that you have given us a perfect, a powerful and eternal King, that through him you have forgiven us our sins and given us the promise of your kingdom, life eternal and joy unspeakable. Pray, almighty Father, that as we contemplate this King, you would melt away all our fears and turn our hearts to hearts of rejoicing and joy because of the strength of your great salvation. Pray, Father, that we would live indeed our whole lives as songs of praise to him who died and rose again and to you, O God, who loved us. We ask it for his sake. Amen.